Remedial Law Part 2 Topic is Appellate Practice Procedure in the Court of Appeals, Court of Tax Appeals, and the Supreme Court. Appeals in general principles Nature of the right to appeal The right to appeal is not a constitutional right, nor part of due process, but a mere statutory privilege that has to be exercised only in the manner in accordance with the provisions of law. The perfection of the appeal in, a, uh, in the manner and within the period prescribed by law is not only mandatory but also jurisdictional, and failure of a party to conform to the rules regarding appeal will render the judgment final and executory, and deprives the appellate court of jurisdiction to alter the final judgment, much less to entertain the appeal. The requirement of paying full amount of docket fees within the prescribed period is mandatory for the perfection of an appeal. The rule is not mere technicality of law or procedure because without such payment, the appeal is not perfected. Take note, the RTC and CA seem to have confused the right of a party to appeal and the right of another party to file a motion for reconsideration. There is nothing in the rules which makes a party's rights to appeal dependent or contingent on the opposing party's motion for reconsideration. Similarly, a party's undertaking to file a motion for reconsideration of a judgment is not hindered by the other party's filing of notice of appeal. Jurisprudence holds that. Its party has a different period within which to appeal and that since its party has a different period within which to appeal, the timely filing of a motion for reconsideration by one party does not interrupt the other or another's party's period of appeal. This is a case of Bernardo v. Soriano. Second topic, judgment and final order subject to appeal. An appeal may be taken from a judgment or final order that completely disposes of the case or of a particular matter therein when declared by the rules of court to be appealable, that is, in actions where the rules expressly allow multiple appeals. Take note of this case at bar. The assailed orders dismissing the complaint in civil case number 07041 on the ground of res judicata and denying the motion for reconsideration are final orders and completely dispose of the case. Appeal and not a special civil action for certiorari is the correct remedy to elevate said final orders. The manner of appealing said final orders is provided under Rule 41 of the uh, Rules of Procedure as amended. The instant petition for certiorari cannot be used by petitioners as a substitute for a lost appeal. Accordingly, when a party adopts an improper remedy, the petition may be dismissed outright. In the case of Medina versus Spouses Lozada. Another, take note. A trial court's order disallowing a notice of appeal, which is tantamount to a disallowance or dismissal of the appeal itself, is not a decision or final order from which an appeal may be taken. The suitable remedy for the aggrieved party is to elevate the matter through a special civil action under Rule 65. Clearly, contrary to the CS finding, PBCOM availed itself of the correct remedy in questioning the disallowance of its notice of appeal. Philippine Bank of Communication vs. CA case Matters not appealable. Ano naman ang available remedies? As a rule, appeal may be taken from a judgment or final order that completely disposes of the case or particular matter when declared by the rules to be appealable. Hence, an interrogatory order is not appealable under or until after the finality of the judgment of the merits. It is beyond argument that the assailed resolutions rendered by the CA being questioned before the court are mere interlocutory order dealing with Prime Savings Bank's application for the issuance of a TRO and or uh, WPI, which is a mere ancillary prayer attached to the main case of the certiorari petition, which seeks to reversal of the artist's order allowing the execution and garnishment of Prime, uh, Prime Savings Bank's assets. It is a hornbook principle that Rule 45 of the Rules of Court governs appeals from judgment or final orders, not interlocutory orders. An interlocutory order cannot be the subject of appeal until final judgment is rendered for one party or the other. Further, the court has previously distinguished certiorari as a mode of appeal under Rule 45 as a remedy that involves the review of the judgment, award, or final order on the merits as compared to the original action for certiorari under Rule 65 which refers to a remedy that may be directed against an interlocutory order. 
No appeal may be taken from an interlocutory order. Instead, the proper remedy to assail such an order is to file a petition for certiorari under Rule 65. Hence, the bank erred in resorting to this Rule 45 petition in seeking the reversal of the CS assailed resolutions which are mere interlocutory orders denying the prime bank's ancillary application for TRO and uh, uh, preliminary injunction. Prime Savings Bank versus Spouses Santos. On the other hand, certain judgments and orders are specifically declared as not appe uh, appealable, not appealable. Thus, under Section 1 of Rule 41, no appeal may be taken from an order denying a petition for relief or any similar motion seeking relief from judgment, an interlocutory order, an order disallowing or dismissing an appeal. An order denying a motion to set aside adjustment by consent, confession, or compromise on the ground of fraud, mistake, or juris, or any other ground violating consent. No appeal from an order of execution and no appeal on a judgment or final order for or against one or more several parties or in separate claims, counterclaims, cross claims, and third party complaints while the main case is pending unless the court allows an appeal therefrom and uh, an order. No appeal on uh, an order dismissing an action without prejudice. Now, the remedy. In those instances where the judgment or final order is not appealable, the aggrieved party may file the appropriate special civil action under Rule 65 that is provided in Section 1, Rule 41 of the Rules of Court. Ano naman ang doctrine of finality or immutability of judgment? Kag, may mga exceptions bala? Under the doctrine of conclusiveness or immutability of judgment, a judgment that has attained finality can no longer be disturbed. The doctrine, which is sometimes referred to as a preclusion of issues or collateral estoppel, holds that issues actually and directly resolved in a former suit cannot again be raised in any future case between the same parties. The doctrine prohibits any alteration, modification, or correction of final and executory judgment as what remains to be done is the purely ministerial enforcement or execution of the judgment. Indeed, well settled is the rule that a decision that has attained finality can no longer be modified even if the modification is meant to correct erroneous conclusions of fact or law. And regardless of whether the modification is attempted to be made by the court rendering it or by the highest court of the land. The two purposes are 1. To avoid delay in the administration of justice and thus procedurally to make orderly the discharge of judicial business and 2. To put an end to judicial controversies at the risk of occasions or occasional errors which is precisely why court exists. Controversies cannot drag on indefinitely. It also applies to quasi-judicial agencies. The doctrine of immutability of judgment applies as much as uh, to decisions of agencies exercising quasi-judicial powers as they do the judicial decisions. The principle of conclusiveness of prior uh, adjudications is not confined in its operation to the judgment of what are ordinarily known as courts, but extends to all bodies upon which judicial powers had been conferred. There are exceptions. The immutability doctrine admits or admits exceptions such as a. The correction of a clerical error. b. The so-called non-pro-tong interest which cause no prejudice to any party and void judgments. This is a judgment intended to enter into the record acts which had already been done but which do not yet appear in the record. It is a judgment which orders the entry of something which was actually previously done. Its purpose is not to supply an omitted action by the court but to enter into the record an action previously done but which was not reflected in the record by reason of inadvertence or mistake. In a sense, it is a correction of clerical and not a judicial error. C. Whenever uh, circumstances transpire after the finality of the decision rendering its execution unjust and inequitable. D. In cases of special and exceptional nature, as when facts and circumstances transpire which render the judgment's execution impossible or unjust. When necessary in the interest of justice to direct modification to harmonize the disposition with prevailing circumstances. E. In case there is a void judgments. F. 
when there is a strong showing that a grave injustice would result from the application of the rules. Mga post-judgment remedies available to the aggrieved party. Dua ka klase, before a judgment becomes final and executory and after the judgment becomes executory. First, before a judgment becomes final and executory, the aggrieved or losing party may avail of the following remedies. Tatlo naman. Motion for reconsideration, isa, ikadua, motion for new trial, and ikatatlo, appeal. Kag, pakatapos, or after the judgment becomes executory, the losing party may avail of the following, apat, no? Una, petition for relief from judgment, action to annul a judgment, ikatatlo, certiorari, and ikaapat, collateral attack of a judgment. Note, a judgment becomes final and executory upon the expiration of the period to appeal therefrom, and no appeal has been perfected. This is Section 1, Rule 39, Rules of Court. Now, ano naman ang mga post-judgment remedies magluwas sa appeal? Post-judgment remedies other than appeal. A. Petition for relief from judgment under Rule 38. Nature of the petition. Relief from judgment is... A remedy provided by the law to any person against whom a decision or order is entered through fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence. Salipot nga po lang natawag na ito niningap famine or fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence. This remedy is equitable in character, allowed only in exceptional cases where there is no other available or adequate remedies provided by law or the rules. Also, a party was filed a motion for new trial. Kung nakapile na siya sa motion for new trial after judgment, but which was denied, cannot be filed a petition for relief. Kung nagpile sa motion for new trial, kagin deny ina, he cannot file a petition for relief. These two remedies are said to be exclusive of each other. It is when a party aggrieved by a judgment has not been able to file a motion for new trial that a petition for relief can be filed. Ano naman ang grounds for a petition for relief? Kag-ano ang proper court? When a judgment or final order is entered or any other proceeding is thereafter taking against the petitioner in any court through famine, fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence, or the petition shall be filed in such court And in the same case, not in another or higher court, the petition shall pray that the judgment order of proceeding be set aside. Kadua, when the petitioner has been prevented from taking an appeal by fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence, again, pamin, no? The petition shall likewise be filed in such court and in the same case, not in another or higher court, but the prayer this time is that the appeal be given a due course. Una, the uh, petition nga gin-filed is the, uh, to pray for the judgment order or proceeding uh, be set aside. Ikadua, that the appeal be given due course. Again, uh, with the same uh, grounds, pamin. Ano naman ang grounds nga extrinsic fraud? The fraud that is a ground for the filing of petition for relief is extrinsic fraud. One case refers to extrinsic fraud as that fraud which the prevailing party caused to prevent the losing party from being heard on his action or defense. Such fraud concerns not the judgment itself but the manner in which it was obtained. For example, the petition of the defending party would be justified where the plaintiff deliberately caused with the process servers connivance the service of summons on defendant at the wrong address and thus succeeded in getting a judgment by default against him. So may collusion between the uh, plaintiff kag sa process server nga wala to gindulong sa lugar ko sa din amotong address no? uh, and getting the judgment na, na, na default. Extrinsic fraud also justifies a motion for new trial or a motion to set aside an order of default and an action for annulment of judgment. The extrinsic fraud as a ground is also justifies if it is the ground for motion for new trial or motion to set aside an order of default and also action for annulment of judgment. 
available only to the parties in an extrinsic fraud. A petition for relief or in a petition for relief of judgment together with a motion for new trial and a motion for reconsideration are remedies available only to parties in the proceedings where the asylum judgment is rendered. In fact, it has been held that a person who was never a party to the case or even someone to appear therein cannot avail of a petition for relief from judgment. Available to proceeding after the judgment. No? After the judgment. Petition for relief is available not only against a judgment or final order. Under Section 1 of Rule 38, it is also available when any other proceeding is thereafter taken against the petitioner in any court through fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence. Thus, it was held that a petition for relief is also applicable to a proceeding taken after the entry of judgment. Or final orders as an order of execution. Rule 38 does not only refer to judgment but also to orders or any other proceedings. A petition for relief from judgment is not an available remedy in the Supreme Court or Court of Appeals. So wala sang petition for relief from judgment nga as a mangin available remedy para sa Korte Suprema o kung sa Court of Appeals. When to file? Sano i-file? And 60-2-6 rule. The petition shall be filed within 60 days after the petitioner learns, learns pagkabalo of the judgment, final order or proceedings, and not more than 6 months, hindi dapat maglapaw sa anong kabulan, after such judgment or final order was entered. Learn, no? After within sixteen days upon learning of the judgment, and filed not more than six months after such judgment or final order was entered or such proceeding was taken. Ano ang forms sang petition? The form of the petition, kag ano ina tawag nga affidavit of merit. The petition must be verified and must be accompanied with affidavits showing fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence atong pamin nga relied upon and the facts constituting the petitioner's good and substantial cause of action or defense as the case may be under Section 3, Rule 38. So ano naman ang action sang court? After the hearing and the court finds that the allegations therein are not true after hearing, It shall dismiss the petition. If the court finds the allegations to be true, it shall set aside the judgment, final order, or other proceeding complaint of. The case then shall stand as if such judgment, final order, or proceeding had never been rendered, issued, or taken. The court shall then proceed to hear and determine the case as if a timely motion for a new trial or reconciliation had been granted by it. This action of the court applies to a petition for relief praying that the judgment, final order of proceeding be set aside, having been entered or taken against petitioner by fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence. Where the prayer of petitioner is to give due course to his appeal because he was prevented from taking an appeal through fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence, and the court finds the allegation to, uh, of the petition to be true, the court shall set aside the previous denial of the appeal and shall give due course to the said appeal. It shall then elevate the records of the appealed case as if a timely and proper appeal had been made. Section 7, Rule 38 May preliminary injunction pending the petition for relief. Remember that a petition for relief is a remedy available after the judgment or final order has become final and executory. Hence, the judgment could be the subject of a writ of execution. There is nothing in the rules that precludes the execution of the judgment that is already executory upon proper application of the prevailing party during the pendency of the petition. The petitioner, therefore, would be interested in the preservation of the status quo as well as the preservation of the rights of the parties before the petition is resolved. Hence, the petitioner may avail of the remedy allowed him under Section 5 of Rule 38. 
Under this provision, the court in which the petition is filed may grant such preliminary injunction to preserve the rights of the parties upon the filing of a bond in the favor of the adverse party. Dapat may bond, no? Dapat may bond when praying for the injunction. The bond is conditioned upon the payment to the adverse party of all damages and costs that may be awarded to such adverse party by reason of the issuance of the injunction or the other proceedings following the petition. Ano da yun? Hindi ini appealable, not appealable. The order granting petition for relief is an interlocutory order, hence unappealable. And the order denying the same is a final order which according to the rules, no appeal may be taken from. Rule 41, Section 1, Paragraph uh, 8 and B. Take note uh, that uh, this topic is about the uh, post-judgment remedies. So, ano pagid? Magluwas sa petition for relief. Annulments of judgment by the Court of Appeals. This is under Rule 47. Kaya na, Rule 38 now. Rule 47. Rule 38 is uh, under the same court, not the higher court, while Court of Appeals is uh, uh, another uh, court, no? under Rule 47. Nature of the action. An action for annulment of judgment is remedy in law. Independent of the case where the judgment sought to be annulled was rendered, it is not a mode of appeal, but an independent civil action. The purpose of such action is to have the final and executory judgment set aside so that there will be a renewal of litigation. It is resorted to in cases where the ordinary remedies of new trial, appeal, petition for relief from judgment or other appropriate remedies are no longer available through no fault of the petitioner and it is based on only two grounds. Again, extrinsic fraud and lack of jurisdiction or denial of due process. Tandaan ta, extrinsic fraud, lack of jurisdiction or denial of due process are grounds for annulment of judgment by the Court of Appeals under Rule 47. Section 1 of Rule 47 of the Rules of Court provides that the remedy of annulment by the Court of Appeals of Judgment or Final Orders and Resolutions in Civil Actions of the Regional Trial Courts can only be availed of where the ordinary remedies of new trial, appeal, petition, for relief, or other appropriate remedies are no longer available through no fault of the petitioner. Again, where the ordinary remedies of new trial, appeal, petition, for relief, or other appropriate remedies are no longer available through no fault of the petitioner. Thus, a petition for annulment of judgment under Rule 47 is a remedy granted only under exceptional circumstances where a party without fault on his part had failed to avail of the ordinary or other appropriate remedies provided by law and such action is never resorted to as a substitute for a party's own neglect and not promptly availing of the ordinary or other appropriate remedies. Take note this. As to the remedy of annulment of judgment, the Court of Appeals correctly ruled, considering that Dominic had already availed himself of the remedy of petition for relief from judgment under Rule 38, raising the issue of extrinsic fraud with the trial court, he is effectively barred from raising the same issue via his petition for annulment of judgment. The CA, however, further ruled. However, the same cannot be said for the ground of lack of jurisdiction. No? Kung lack of jurisdiction, naman siya. Considering that Dominic immediately resorted to court action that is a petition for relief from judgment and the petition for annulment of judgment upon learning of the unparalleled decision dated May 18, 2010 of the trial court, he cannot be deemed guilty of latches nor placed in his topel. Thus, if Dominic is able to prove that the trial court indeed went beyond its jurisdiction in issuing its decision, nothing prevents him from asking for its annulment. Case of Ears of Alfredo Collado versus Gutierrez. Maning paksang case, no? On March 18, 2011, Dominic filed a petition for relief from judgment wherein he alleged, among others, that his counsel's negligence in handling his case prevented him from participating therein and from filing his appeal. However, the same was denied by the RTC for having been filed out of time. On October 18, 2011, Dominic filed with the CA petition for annulment of judgment na on the ground of extrinsic fraud and lack of jurisdiction. The Court of Appeals initially dismissed the petition but reinstated the same upon Dominic a motion for reconsideration and give it due course and order in the CA on October 23, 2012.
take note. Under the rules, no, as the authors note, execution shall issue upon the expiration of the period to appeal therefrom if no appeal has been duly perfected. In the same manner, a motion for new trial can only be filed within the period for taking an appeal, no, itong 15 days and 30 days, no. Under the present circumstances, by the time petitioner Yap acquired knowledge of the proceedings, the period for perfecting an appeal had already lapsed. Likewise, the remedy of a petition for relief was no longer available considering that a writ of execution had already been issued as early as March 20, or May 22, 1998, which was already uh, more than six months after petitioner Yap acquired knowledge of the RTC decision. Let's recall uh, the, from the uh, learn of the judgment within 60 days and the petition for relief must be filed within 60 days. A petition for annulment of judgment challenges the validity of first judgment. Res judicata is not a bar to an action for annulment of judgment sought to be annulled. Now, kato kita sa grounds for annulment. May dua ka grounds a petition for annulment of judgment is an extraordinary action. By virtue of its exceptional character, the action is restricted exclusively to the grounds specified in the rules, namely 1. Extrinsic fraud and 2. Lack of jurisdiction. The remedy of annulment of judgment is extraordinary in character and does not so easily and readily lend itself to abuse by parties agreed by final judgment. The grounds for Rule 47 petition are extrinsic fraud and lack of jurisdiction. Extrinsic fraud cannot be a valid ground if it had been availed of or could have been availed of in a motion for new trial or petition for relief. On the other hand, lack of jurisdiction means either lack of jurisdiction over the subject matter or nature of the action or lack of jurisdiction over the person of the defendant. This is in the case of Yap versus Lagtapon. Anong bot sinungon sang extrinsic fraud? An action to annul a judgment on the ground of fraud lies only if the fraud is extrinsic or collateral in character. Fraud is regarded as extrinsic where it prevents a party from having a trial or from presenting his entire case to the court or where it operates upon matters pertaining not to the judgment itself but to the manner in which it is procured. The overriding consideration when extrinsic fraud is alleged is that the fraudulent scheme of the prevailing litigant prevented the party from having his day in court. Intrinsic versus Extrinsic Fraud for fraud to become a basis for annulment of judgment, it has to be extrinsic or actual. It is intrinsic when the fraudulent acts pertain to an issue involved in the original action or where the acts constituting the fraud were not could have been litigated. It is extrinsic or collateral when a litigant commits acts or commits acts outside of the trial which prevent a party from having a real uh, contest or from pre presenting all of his case such that there is no fair submission of the controversy. Again, extrinsic or collateral when a litigant commits acts outside of the trial. The use of forced instrument or uh, perjured testimonies during trial is not an extrinsic fraud. Such evidence does not preclude a party's participation in the trial. Note, when fraud is employed by a party precisely to prevent the participation of any other interested party, as in this case then the fraud is extrinsic, regardless of the uh, of whether the fraud was committed through the use of forged documents or perjured testimony during the trial. This is in the case of Castro versus uh, Gregorio. Another and the second ground for annulment of uh, judgment. Lack of jurisdiction. Lack of jurisdiction as a ground for annulment of judgment refers to either lack of jurisdiction over the person of the defending party or over the subject matter of the claim where the court has jurisdiction over the defendant on and over the subject matter of the case, its decision will not be voided on the ground of absence of jurisdiction. In a petition for annulment of judgment based on lack of jurisdiction, petitioner must show an absolute lack of authority to hear and decide the case. This is refers to the authority of the court. There would be no valid ground to grant a petition for annulment where the error raised uh, pertain to the trial court exercise of jurisdiction, not the absence of jurisdiction. 
A petition for annulment grounded on lack of jurisdiction owing to the failure to implead the indispensable parties is ample basis for annulment of judgment. We have long held that the joinder of all indispensable parties in a condition sine qua non of the exercise of judicial power. The absence of an indispensable party renders all subsequent actions of the court null and void for want of authority to act not only as to the absent parties but even as to those present. In the instant case, it goes without saying that in action for specific performance compelling the transfer of the subject property owned by nine years who have already been adjudged by a final executory decision as co-owners of the subject property, the latter are indispensable parties in such an action. Jurisprudence has indubitably held that in a suit involving a co-owned property, all the co-owners of such party are indispensable parties. Case of Fernando versus Ramos Paguyo. And another ground for uh, annulment of judgment, uh, which is uh, by jurisprudence in not in the rules, is lack of due process. While under Section 2, Rule 47 of the Rules of Court, a petition for annulment of judgment may be based only on the grounds of extrinsic fraud and lack of jurisdiction, jurisprudence recognizes lack of due process as additional ground to annul judgment. In the case of Barcelona versus Court of Appeals, this court declared that a final and executory judgment may still be set aside if, upon mere inspection thereof, its patent nullity can be shown for having been issued without jurisdiction or for lack of due process of law. The violation of one's due process rights is, after all, a defect in jurisdiction. The cardinal precept is that where there is a violation of basic constitutional rights, courts are ousted from their jurisdiction. The violation of a party's right to due process raises a serious jurisdictional issue which cannot be glossed over or disregarded at will. Where the denial of the fundamental right of due process is apparent, a decision rendered in disregard of that right is void for lack of jurisdiction. In this light, the court, in the case of Di Pedro, held that circumstances which negate the court's acquisition of jurisdiction, such as defective service of summons, are causes for an action for annulment of judgment. Salina Corte, in which action is commenced, the action is commenced by the filing of a verified petition with the proper court. If it is uh, the judgment or final order of RTC, which is sought to be annulled, then the action shall be filed with the Court of Appeals. If it is that of MTC, the verified petition shall be filed with the Regional Trial Court, having jurisdiction over the former. Period for filing of the action. The applicable period for filing the petition for annulment of judgment depends upon the ground. If based on extrinsic fraud, the petition must be filed within four years from its discovery, and if it based on lack of jurisdiction before it is barred by latches or estoppel. Sino mapile sang action? The petitioner need not be a party to the judgment so to be annulled. What is essential is that the petitioner is one who can prove his allegation that the judgment was obtained by the use of fraud and collusion that he was affected thereby. Case of Alaban v. CA Note, Section 1 of Rule 47 extends the remedy of annulment only to a party in whose favor the remedies of neutral, reconsideration, appeal, and petition for relief from judgment are no longer available through no fault of said party. As such, the petitioner being an unparty could not bring the action for annulment of judgment due to an ability to eat of the remedies of neutral, reconsideration, appeal, or setting the judgment aside through a petition for relief. Case of their Adventure Farm Corporation versus Court of Appeals. Now, let's go to the effect of a judgment of annulment. Anong epekto sang judgment of annulment? A judgment of annulment based on lack of jurisdiction shall have the effect of setting aside the question judgment or final order and rendering the same null and void. But the judgment of annulment is without prejudice to the refiling of the original action in the proper court. So, kung lack of jurisdiction siya, i-set aside itong ginakwestiyong adjustment pero without prejudice to refile of the same original action in the proper court. The prescriptive period for the refiling of the original action shall be deemed suspended from the filing of such original action until the finality of the judgment of annulment. This prescriptive period shall not, however, be suspended where the extrinsic fraud is attributable to the plaintiff in the original action. 
where the judgment or final order is set aside and annulled on the ground of extrinsic fraud. The court upon motion may order the trial court to try the case as if a motion for new trial was granted. Aside from the setting aside of the judgment or final order and other effects, the judgment of annulment may include the award of damages, attorney's fees, and other relief. Again, kung ang ground is lack of jurisdiction, the court set aside the question judgment or final order uh, and uh, make it uh, null and void. Uh, however, uh, the case uh, should be uh, refiled uh, at the original action. However, kung uh, the, uh, the grounds and the reason of the uh, judgment or uh, for the filing of annulment of judgment is extrinsic fraud, uh, the order the trial court to try the case uh, or the court will try the case as if a motion for new trial was granted. To try the case, the court will try the case as if there is a motion for new trial uh, that was granted. Remedy in case of denial. Ano naman ang remedyo uh, sa kagabiyado kung i-deny ang, uh, ang petition for uh, annulment with uh, uh, said grounds? No? <clears throat> Where a petition for annulment of judgment was dismissed by the Court of Appeals, the remedy of the petitioner is to file a petition for review on certiorari under Rule 45. Special Civil Action Yapon uh, on certiorari. Or no, uh, petition for review lang. Petition for review on certiorari under Rule 45. Ano naman ang remedy when the question judgment was already been executed? Kung ang question judgment, final order or resolution had already been executed, the court may issue such orders of restitution or other relief as justice and equity may warrant under the circumstances. Now, we have been discussing about the petition for relief, uh, petition for annulment of judgment. Let's go for another remedy, that is collateral attack on judgments when proper. First, uh, we have to distinguish between a direct from a collateral attack. A direct attack of a judgment is made through an action or proceeding, the main object of which is to annul, set aside, or enjoin the enforcement of such judgment if not yet carried into effect. Or if the property has been disposed of, the aggrieved party may sue for recovery. While collateral attack is made when in another action to obtain a different relief, an attack on the judgment is made as an incident in said action. This is proper only when the judgment on its face is null and void as where it is patent that the court which rendered the judgment has no jurisdiction. So take note, this is uh, this uh, collateral attack as a mode of, or as a remedy uh, is proper only when the judgment on its face is null and void. A void judgment can be the subject of a collateral attack. A void judgment is no judgment at all. It cannot be the source of any right nor the creator of any obligation. All acts performed pursuant to it and all claims emanating from it have no legal effect. Hence, it can never become final and any writ of execution based on it is void. Take note, jurisprudence explains that an action or proceeding is deemed an attack on a title when its objective is to nullify the title, thereby challenging the judgment pursuant to which the title was decreed. The attack is direct when the objective is to annul or set aside such judgment or enjoin its enforcement. On the other hand, the attack is indirect or collateral when, in an action to obtain a different relief, an attack on the judgment is nevertheless made as an incident thereof. Pilipinas Isyon Manufacturing Corporation uh, versus Ears of Basilio Lianes. 2019 case. Now, let us summarize the remedies. Under existing rules, there are three ways by which a final and executory judgment may be set aside. The first is by petition for relief from judgment under Rule 38 of the Revised Rules of Court when judgment has been taken against the party through fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence, in which case the petition must be filed within 60 days after the petitioner learns of the judgment, but not more than six months after such judgment was endured or entered. Second is by direct action to annul and enjoin the enforcement of the judgment. This remedy presupposes that the challenge judgment is not void upon its face but is entirely regular in form and the alleged defect is one which is not apparent upon its face or from the recitals contained in the judgment. And the third is 
either a direct action as certiorari or by a collateral attack against the challenge judgment is void upon its face or that the nullity of the judgment is apparent by virtue of its own recitals. Again, remedies are petition for relief from judgment, action to annul and enjoin the enforcement of the judgment, or direct action to annul and enjoin the enforcement of the judgment, and direct action as certiorari or by collateral attack. Now, we have also a remedy from judgment, which is Rule 65. Rule 65 as a remedy of from judgment. The nature of the remedy. Supervisory or superintending writ. This remedy is availed of to annul or modify the proceedings of a tribunal, board, or officer exercising judicial or extrajudicial functions which has acted without or in excess of jurisdiction or with grave abuse of discretion amounting to lack of excess of uh, to lack of jurisdiction for this petition to prosper it is necessary to allege and show that there is no more appeal or no other plain speedy and adequate remedy in the ordinary course of the law as a rule where an, where appeal is available petitioner cannot be availed of unless it can be shown that appeal is not speedy or adequate hence if the petitioner has the remedy of appeal or any other remedy certiorari is not available as a rule however even if appeal is available if it is not adequate speedy or equally beneficial as certiorari a petition for certiorari may be availed of the sole object of the writ is to correct errors of jurisdiction or grave abuse of discretion the phrase grave abuse of discretion has a precise meaning in law, denoting abuse of discretion, too patent and gross as to amount to an evasion of a positive duty or a virtual refusal to perform the duty enjoined or act in contemplation of law or where the power is exercised in an arbitrary and despotic manner by reason of passion and personal hostility. It does not encompass an error of law. Certiorari is not a substitute for appeal where the latter remedy is available but lost through fault or negligence. Take note, petitioner's remedy at that point should have been to file a petition for review on certiorari under Rule 45 before this court and reckoning the 15-day period to file the same from receipt of the resolution. Petitioner had until December 1, 2009 to file said petition for certiorari before this court. Instead, petitioner filed the instant petition for certiorari under Rule 65 on January 19, 2010 or 48 days after the lapse of reglementary period within which to file and appear via petition for review on certiorari. Petitioner resorted to the instant special civil action after failing to appeal within the 15-day reglementary period and the same may not be allowed for as the court has held before the special civil action of certiorari cannot be used as a substitute for an appeal which petitioner already lost the remedies of appeal and certiorari are mutually exclusive and not alternative or successive finally on this point Although the court has, in some instances, treated petitions for certiorari under Rule 65 as having been filed under Rule 45 in the interest of justice, the same way not be afforded petitioner in this case since the instant petition was filed after the lapse of the period for the filing of a petition for review. This is in the case of People versus Honorable Sandigan Bayan, 3rd Division. More so, a petition for certiorari is an original and independent action being such there is a need to or for the court in which the petition is filed to acquire jurisdiction over the respondent. This is acquired by the service on him of the order or resolution of the court indicating its initial action on the petition or by his voluntary submission to such jurisdiction. It is not a matter of right. A writ of certiorari is an extraordinary prerogative or an extraordinary prerogative writ that is never demandable as a matter of right. The acceptance of which and giving of due course thereto is addressed to the sound discretion of the court. How about the certification against forum shopping? Under Rule 65 also requires the pleader to submit a certification against forum shopping. Now, what is the procedural outline for this? A. The petition shall be filed not later than 60 days from notice of the judgment, order, or resolution. B. If the petition is sufficient in form and substance to justify such process, the court shall issue an order requiring the respondent or respondents to comment on the petition within 10 days from receipt of a copy thereof. C. 
In petitions for certiorari before the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals, the provision of Section 2, Rule 56 shall be observed. Before giving due course, therefore, the court may require the respondents to file their comment to and not a motion to dismiss the petition. Thereafter, the court may require the filing of a reply and such other responsive or other pleadings as it may deem necessary and proper. D. The court in which the petition is filed may issue orders expediting the proceedings and may also grant a temporary restraining order or a writ of preliminary injunction for the preservation of the rights of the parties pending such proceedings. The petition shall not interrupt the course of the principal case unless a temporary restraining order or a writ of preliminary injunction has been issued in joining the public respondent from further proceeding in the case. E. After the comment or other pleadings required by the court are filed or the time for the filing thereof has expired, the court may hear uh, the case or require the parties to submit memoranda. If after such hearing or filing of memoranda or upon the expiration of the period for filing, the court finds that the allegations of the petition are true, it shall render judgment for such relief to which the petitioner is entitled. Now, sano dapat mag-file? When to file? If the petition relates to an act or an omission of municipal trial court or of a corporation, a board, an officer or a person, it shall be filed with the regional trial court, exercising jurisdiction over the territorial area as defined by the Supreme Court. It may also be filed with the Court of Appeals or with the Sanigan Bayan, whether or not the same is an aid of the court's appellate jurisdiction. If the petition involves an act or omission of a quasi-judicial agency, unless otherwise provided by law of these rules, the petition shall be filed with the uh, and be cognizable only by the Court of Appeals. However, in election cases involving an act, or an omission of a municipal or a regional trial court, the petition shall be filed exclusively with the Commission on Election in aid of its appellate jurisdiction. And fourth, to the Supreme Court in the exercise of its original jurisdiction. Ano naman ang party sa respondents under Section 5? Who must be joined as respondents? 1. Judge or judge court, quasi-judicial agency, tribunal, corporation, board, officer, or person who rendered the judgment, or the public respondent as, and as a nominal party. Second, person or persons interested in sustaining the proceedings in the court, or the private respondents. Failure to implead private complainant. It will not warrant the dismissal of the action. Neither the misjoinder nor the non-joinder parties is a ground for the dismissal of an action, particularly a petition for certiorari under Rule 65. The CA should simply order that a party be implied in the case. Exception, in a petition for certiorari with the CA or Supreme Court, the non-joinder of private respondents shall be sufficient ground for dismissal of action. No? That is an exception when the certiorari is with the CA or the Supreme Court and uh, applicable for non-joinder of private respondents, uh, ground for dismissal of action. Appearance of public respondents. Unless otherwise specifically directed by the court where the petition is pending, the public respondents shall not appear in or file an answer or comment to the petition or any pleading therein. If the case is elevated to the higher court by either party, the public respondents shall be included therein as nominal parties. However, unless otherwise specifically directed by the court, they shall not be appear or participate in the proceedings therein. What are the requisites under the Rule 65? To justify the remedy of certiorari under Rule 65, it must comply with certain basic requirements, namely, 1. The petition is directed against a tribunal, board, or officer exercising judicial or quasi-judicial functions. Note that even if the tribunal, board, or officer, the Supreme Court could still take cognizance of the case by virtue of judicial review under Article 8, Section 1 of the Constitution upon showing of grave abuse of discretion. Second, such tribunal, board, or officer has acted without or in excess of jurisdiction or grave abuse of discretion amounting to lack or excess of jurisdiction. And third, there is no appeal or no plain, speedy, or adequate remedy in the course of law. Now, let's discuss motion for reconsideration. 
a petitioner must first exhaust all other remedies available before resorting to certiorari. Certiorari is not a substitute for appeal. The remedies of appeal and certiorari are mutually exclusive and not alternative or successive because they do not have identical elements and requisites. The general rule is that before filing a petition for certiorari under Rule 65 of the Rules of Court, the petitioner is mandated to comply with a condition precedent, the filing of a motion for reconsideration of the assailed order, and the subsequent denial of the court accrual. It must be stressed that a petition for certiorari is an extraordinary remedy and should be filed only as a last resort. The filing of a motion for reconsideration is intended to afford the public respondent an opportunity to correct any actual error attributed to it by way of re-examination of the legal and factual issues. Anong mga exceptions? A. Where the order is a patent nullity as where the court aku has no jurisdiction. B. Where the question raised in the certiorari proceeding have been duly raised and passed upon by the lower court or are the same as those raised and passed upon in the lower court. C. Where there is an urgent necessity for the resolution of the question and any further daily would prejudice the interest of the government or of the petitioner or the subject matter of the action is perishable. D. Where under these circumstances, a motion for reconsideration would be useless. E where petitioner was deprived of due process and there is extreme urgency for relief. F. Where, in a criminal case, relief from an order of arrest is urgent and the granting of such relief by the trial court is improbable. G. Where the proceedings in the lower court are a nullity for lack of due process. H. Where the proceedings conducted were ex parte or in which the petitioner had no opportunity to object. And I. Where the issue raised is one purely of law or public uh, uh, interest is involved. Material data or date rule. Section 3 of Rule 46 of the Rules of Court provides that there are three material dates that must be stated in a petition for certiorari brought under Rule 65. 1. The date when notice of the judgment or final order or resolution was received. 2. The date when a motion for new trial or for consideration was filed. And 3. The date when notice of the denial thereof was received. This requirement is for the purpose of determining the timeliness of the petition. Observance of hierarchy of course. In filing for a petition for certiorari, the hierarchy of course must observe. Hence, even though the Supreme Court has concurrent jurisdiction with the Court of Appeals and the RTC to issue a writ of mandamus provision or certiorari, litigants are advised against taking direct recourse to the Supreme Court without initially seeking proper relief from the lower courts. Here, certiorari does not interrupt the principal case. The petition for certiorari does not interrupt the course of the principal case, Section 7, Rule 65. Hence, if said petition is filed against a court, the proceedings in the court have to proceed. The respondent court has the duty to proceed with the principal case within 10 days from the filing of the petition with a higher court or tribunal. As a rule, failure of the respondent to proceed with the principal case may be a ground for an administrative charge. Section 7. Ano naman ang remedy in order to interrupt the course of the principal case? The petitioner should secure a temporary restraining order or TRO or a writ of preliminary injunction enjoining the public respondent or the court from the proceeding with the case and for the preservation of the rights of the parties pending such proceedings. When so secure, the public respondent shall not proceed with the principal case during the period that the temporary restraining order or the writ of preliminary injunction is in effect. Next question is, when petition for declaratory relief is a proper remedy? It has been held that petitions for certiorari and provision are appropriate remedies to raise constitutional issues and to review or prohibit or nullify the acts of legislative and executive. However, this should not be construed to be the general rule. The court ruled that when the petition assails the validity of the issuance of the Department of Government, a petition for declaratory relief is the correct remedy.